Once again, we find ourselves in the book of John as we take a look at eternal security next. Hi there and welcome to the broadcast. Today's program here on Truth For Today revolves around our eternal security. Can a true believer ever be lost? That question has been asked over the centuries. Today we go back to God's Word for the answers. Answers have never changed over those centuries, so we're standing on solid ground, we believe. Join us here in God's Word. John chapter 10 is where we're at, verses 28 and 29. With this edition of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor now. Once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. We've been looking at God's part in keeping you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And uh, today we want to look at the other side. Do true believers continue to the end? Or do they wash out? Or what do we do with those who wash out? Uh, do, we, uh, do we then conclude that even though God chose them, was keeping them, loved them, uh, put them in his hand, uh, promised they'd permanently stand in grace, even though the Son died and applied his blood to their heart, was raised on account of their justification, uh, intercedes for them, his own, and uh, defends them when they're accused. And can the work of the Spirit that regenerates be undone? Can his indwelling be ended when he said he'd be in us forever? Can it be ended by us? Uh, can our place in the body of Christ ever be ended? And he puts us out of the body. And can the sealing work of the Spirit be broken? At least 14 things God does to keep honorary sinners like you and I. That uh, you being a sinner has never caught God on surprise. He's made a lot of provision for it. And uh, what we commonly call the security of the believers, the reformers back in the Reformation never used that language. Now, Catholicism always believed you can lose it and threatened you with excommunication for a mortal sin if you didn't make the right uh, moves to come back to the church, have the priests forgive you. But when the Reformation took place and they came out of Rome, then... We start all over again. What is the biblical teaching? Well, something that they never used, the reformers would never use the word eternal security. That, that term comes primarily from Southern Baptist uh, that coined that. It's a good phrase, but it's been abused because it has many connotations. I'm secure no matter how I live. That's how most people take it. Oh, you're saying it doesn't matter how you live, you're eternally secure. So, uh, or it may uh, give images of passivity. Now that I'm saved, uh, I can just kind of go to sleep because it's all on God. I don't have any part to play in it. And so a passivity 
in the believer can be uh, all fostered wrongfully, but maybe some take it that way. Well, the reformers stated it this way. I, I give you a quote by Wayne Grudem. Simple, straightforward. The perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again, and these are in your notes in the bulletin, uh, it means that saints who are all truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And that only those who persevere unto the end have been truly born again. Do you hear that? Only those, they would stay if they wanted to include everything, those who have truly been elected by God to receive his salvation, they will receive it and persevere in their walk with the Lord until the end. They won't turn back. That's what the doctrine of perseverance by reformers, Calvinists, those, they would say that. So, what is often ignored is, other words, if you don't continue, we have no assurance you're saved. And that doesn't matter whether you're a uh, Arminian group, or if you're a free will Baptist, or a Pentecostal. They says, hey, if you backslide, you're going to hell. Well, what Calvinists would say, if you don't continue, we don't think you had it and lost it. We doubt you ever had it. Because those who truly get it persevere unto the end. I think of Carol and I. We were out with some dear Pentecostal friends. We got an 89-year-old aunt here. We were with another 89-year-old woman. 85-year-old sister, all Pentecostal to the bone. Guess what? They don't believe this confounded security, but they just keep persevering because they love it. You can't talk them into going back. Isn't it funny? Go back. Slide a little. Don't want to. And those who are truly saved, now here's the problem. Well, I know someone, you baptize them, they no longer go to church. Does that upset your theology of the security of the believer? No, it just may prove they're not saved. It's easy to be wet and still not be saved. They might be members of this church. I'm convinced we got members that may have slipped in. Who knows? The issue we're talking about, do those truly born of God continue with God, or does that mean it doesn't matter They'll go their way, but they're still secure. Now, there is no security for those who remain in sin. There is no security. And if I'm asked to do the funeral, I'm not going to sprinkle a bunch of grace and say, they've got a big dab of eternal security, even though they got shot in a poker game and they were running the bar. No, no, honey. God changes whom he saves. He changes whom he saves. And if you've not been changed, you haven't been saved. Does that sound like holiness? It ought to be. It ought to be. I don't hear you there. Boy, everybody's quiet because you think, you're trying to say, I don't know where he's going. Nah, that's okay. 
Carol has felt that way for years. Uh, let me read to you some things that uh, Spurgeon said about the doctrine of perseverance or security. Look at it there in the notes. I must confess that the doctrine of the final preservation of the saints was a bait that my soul could not resist. I thought it was a sort of life insurance, an insurance of my character, an insurance of my soul, an insurance of my eternal destiny. I knew that I could not keep myself. But if Christ promised to keep me, then I should be safe forever. And I longed and prayed to find Christ because I knew that if I found him, he would not give me a temporary and trumpery salvation, such as some preach, but eternal life which could never be lost. He went on to say, if anybody could possibly convince me that final perseverance is not a truth of the Bible, I should never preach again, for I feel I should have nothing worth preaching. Imagine, come to Christ. You may not ultimately go to heaven, but you'll, endure, you'll enjoy it while you've got it. But this doesn't guarantee you'll be there. Right? Come on. You got to track with me. If I preach a gospel that doesn't include your keeping and preservation, I'm saying, come to Christ. He'll give you eternal life, but I must qualify. You can forfeit it at any time, but it's yours while you've got it. That's what we wind up saying. Come to a Christ that can save you initially, but he may lose you eventually. That's no gospel at all. That's no gospel at all. I'm only saved if I come this morning, but I may be lost by next week because I may sin next week. I may do something wrong next week. I've lost it. I grew up on that. Just don't sin before you go to bed tonight because he may come. Ooh. Man, I was afraid of God catching me smiling in the shower. I thought it might be sin. Everything was wrong. Everything could be a threat. Is that the gospel? Is that the good news? Is this what God's the author of? Well, listen, the, that doctrine of the final perseverance of the saints is, I believe, as thoroughly bound up with the standing or falling of the gospel as is the article of justification by faith. Give that up, and I see no gospel left. So, persevering in the faith is evidence of being born again. And you read these if passages in the Bible. If you continue, if you this, if don't throw those out. And, and even you folks that think you're secure, you better take those serious. Uh, because they're evidence that the born again will continue. And there are warnings in Hebrews especially of a first generation that are coming to the church that he's addressing in Hebrews. Some have made profession. Some have been listening to the gospel. They've come to see what they're saying. Some signed up for a while. Some wash out. Some get threatened by their Jewish neighbors, and they go back to the temple. Hey, whatever. He's saying, you must continue 
or there's no evidence you're saved. And us security folks play that stuff down. We don't even read it. Oh, it doesn't mean that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews. I'm going to make you break in your Bible today. We're going to look at a few verses. Hebrews 3. Look at verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if we name that we got saved and we're down at Joe's bar. No, we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We continue. We hold on. We hold on. We're not going back. Look at verse 14. Whoa, look at this verse. You ought to be using that yellow highlighter right now and, and reading this when you go home. For we have come to share in Christ if we raise our hand in church and make a profession. If we, we were saved for three months, then we bailed. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Save people are to continue to the end. If you bail out, we have no confidence, no Bible authority for saying you're saved. We just say, you made a start, you made a profession, but you must not have been saved. You know, I can name three places where I got saved. And the fourth one. I got saved in Clovis, California, I thought. We were down there, St. Paul and the Wileys and everything. In a meeting, I went forward. I was in the altar. I prayed. I, I thought I received Christ. I think I might have been eight, nine years old. Wept a lot of tears and was greatly moved. It lasted about two weeks. I don't know why, but it washed out. Uh, and then I, I got Let's see where else I got saved. I didn't really get saved, but I went forward. Uh, Berkeley, California. My folks uh, were a part of a little mission on San Pablo Avenue, Berkeley, California. Uh, then I was about fourth grade. I went forward, and uh, I cried a lot of tears, and I was as sincere as I knew how to be. Uh, I thought I got saved. lasted about two weeks. Uh, I got saved when I was drowning down in uh, Southern California. David and I were with our cousins in, uh, swimming, and I started to drown. And uh, I told the Lord if he spared my life, I'd live for him. That lasted about a week, and he rescued my life. I would have went to hell had I died, but he did spare my life. So there's at least three I know. And, uh, and I would say, because I went to Pentecostal churches at the altar call, where, where um, they were, it, when I grew up, many of them were overwhelming, e overwhelmingly emotional, and the sense of the Spirit of God, you had to work hard not to go forward. They were powerful meetings. Powerful. I asked Carolus Pies, what do you miss the most about our Pentecostal background? She said, the convicting work of the Holy Ghost. And I would tell myself going to church 
get through the altar call. You're going to have to hold on. Because I knew if I went forward, they'd expect me to straighten out. And I wasn't ready. But I cried a lot. Sincerely, I was moved. They were powerful meetings. I'm not making fun. I hope you hear me. They were powerful meetings. I had to work hard not to go. I'd weep through. We're going to sing today a closing song, Coming Home. And even as I heard the four Curtis and my kids singing it, oh, my, my memory bank was flooded. Those pleas, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, come home. Ooh, you talk about pleading songs. We don't sing any of them because we don't love sinners like we used to. They pled for you to come. Moving, moving. But I still didn't get saved. But one Tuesday night, it took. It finally took. The fourth time, took. And I still washed out for a few months, but God wasn't going to let go. He brought me back within six months, and I've been pursuing him ever since. See, you may have gone to the altar 15 times, said, I got saved, I lost it. No, when you get it, you don't go back. You will continue. You will fail. You will stumble. You have seasons of strain sometimes, of a cold heart, and all the ups and downs of life, but you will continue. You will. And that's what he says, if you hold fast, hold that. So when I'm talking to somebody, say, well, I got eternal security. I'm saying, are you continuing? Well, no, I, I'm, I, I don't like the church. Preachers make me mad, and this, they talk about my, I said, are you following Christ? No, but I got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're lost, and you're deceived. God never makes us secure to stay in sin. He's going to bring you out. He's going to lead you to follow the shepherd. Well, don't want to get too animated. I'm not done. Let's go on. Of all passages that has given everybody fits is Hebrews 6. Turn to it. You've got to always know Hebrews 6. This is a... Uh, much debated passage, and let me just weigh in, since I'm not going to try to unload and unpackage the whole chapter. Let me just give you the broad overview that we're aware it's in the Bible, and we can't ignore it. He says something in verse 4 that is alarming. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding him up to contempt. Who are these people? Who are these people that he just described there? Uh, I mean, they, uh, they've been enlightened. They tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Look back in chapter 2. Ch chapter 2 
what he did for this generation. He says, uh, verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let me give you the three uh, views. I think I've held all three. So right now, you, I'll, I'll tell you the right one. Uh, the, uh, I, I think the most common view is that these are saved people. Uh, and that they, uh, some say they were not saved, they just sinned, but they, they fell away, they apostated, they just abandoned the faith, and it's, this is a great falling away, not just a sin, but they just denied the faith, and so, so a believer could apostatize and uh, be ultimately lost. Uh, that would be the view that uh, many would hold, that, hey, you can lose it. If you deny this Christ and uh, reject that you know him, uh, then you're lost. A view that I was taught in seminary that sounded good, and I believed it for years, taught it in this church, was the view that begins the passage in 5.11, that what their problem was is that they had become dull of hearing, and they had ceased to grow in the Christian faith life. And when you come to 6.1, he's saying, leave the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. And so that view says that what they're dealing with is immature believers that are not growing, that are not going on. And so if they should fall away from Christian growth, if they should fall away from uh, being in the Word, and uh, just Christian growth, uh, the cure for them, it's impossible to renew them again, for them to be saved again. What they need to do is repent, confess, pick up where they left off, where they quit growing, and get back to the Christian life, get back to Christian maturity. And uh, that seemed very logical to me as I first heard it. Then the third view is the view that what is said in verses 4 through 6, he never explicitly calls them believers. Well, there's much more to look at, and we'll reserve that for tomorrow's broadcast. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he writes, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, he says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the day, that's what our series through the book of John is all about, that you would believe that you would have life in his name. You have questions? We might have some answers. If not, we definitely have access to the one who does through prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please. Feel free to get in touch with us. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to 
listen to today's program again or obtain the entire series, well, feel free to get a hold of us at 855-833-9864. Again, that's a toll-free call, 855-833-9864. Otherwise, you can visit our website, valleybible.org. We have resource materials available there, books, as well as information about who we are and what we believe. If you'd like to join us for worship at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service time and location and directions can all be found again at valleybible.org. Or if you wish to speak with someone again, call 855-833-9864. Now, if you are writing to us, especially if you are planning to be a TFT sustainer, supporting the ministry financially as you're being blessed day by day here from Truth For Today, well, you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Now, as a TFT sustainer, we'd like to remind you that no gift is too small, no gift is too large. And as you partner with us, please remember that your tax-deductible donation all goes back into the ministry, 100%. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, our annual special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Plus, also the benefit of knowing that this ministry will continue here on KFAX Monday through Friday as well as Sunday. So contact us today, 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.